most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Thursday, March 3rd, 2022, the 407th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Before we get started, I just want to mention the ongoing issue I'm having with the distribution of my podcast via Anchor. It is a Spotify platform, and right now it is not feeding my podcast to Spotify or Apple, which is very disconcerting. I could be getting censored. I don't know what is going on with that at all, but I'm trying to figure it out. I have an email into support for them. Hopefully I'll be hearing back soon with what's going on. The podcast does still exist now at anchor.fm slash I'm your moderator, and I am taking these episodes and uploading them as videos onto BitChute. So you'll be able to listen there as well. If the podcast is actually getting taken down for some reason, I will reroute to other platforms, figure out another podcast distribution, and it should be back up in the places you normally listen to it very soon. But if the problem turns out to be larger than that and I cannot get my podcast back onto Spotify or Apple, I will figure something else out. There are apps like Podbean and others that you can listen to directly in the app. But I am still recording shows, obviously. I will still be getting the shows up somewhere. Just bear with me. I will be updating the situation as I learn new information on the Telegram channel, t.me slash I'm your moderator. If you're on Truth Social, you can follow me there at I'm your moderator or Gab or Getter at I'm your moderator. I will keep everyone updated on where the show will be. But if for some reason you stop seeing it, there is no chance that I have stopped doing it. Okay. I'm not taking a break. None of that is planned. None of that is happening. The podcast will be up somewhere no matter what. So just continue to follow the telegram or find me at one of those other places. And I can let you know exactly what's happening. Now, yesterday we talked about the fake president's fake state of the union And everybody at the fake State of the Union was unmasked. Everybody that I saw, at least. Maybe there was someone in the room. And, of course, we know that the science didn't change. Masks have never worked. Nothing about the science changed at any point that would suggest masks did work or that masks went from working to not working. Okay? So there was no scientific reason whatsoever for them changing the mask policy. They did not want to be in that room 
with only Democrats wearing masks, because what they are trying to do, as we talked about the other day with the memo that went around to Democrats, they are trying to detach themselves from responsibility for COVID and the COVID narrative. They cannot do that. No one will believe it, but they will try. It is only PR. In France, they are ending or suspending, I should say, their mask requirements and their vaccine mandates from, I think, the 10th, which would be a week from today, as they have an election coming up on the 14th of April, if I'm remembering correctly. So there is another place where they do not want people to continuously be reminded that the global communists are the party responsible for having everyone mask and follow these ridiculous restrictions for this long. Obviously, they would keep them all in place forever if people hadn't stopped complying. And as the narrative turns against them, they are using their normal policy of pretending that it wasn't them that caused the problem, and actually it was everyone else. Now, Ron DeSantis down in Florida had a great moment yesterday. He was walking up to a podium, and there were some local students that were stood in front of the backdrop behind his podium, and they all had masks on. And this is how Ron DeSantis handled it. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them off. <laughs> Honestly, it's not doing anything, and we got to stop with this COVID theater. So if you want to wear it, fine, but this is, a, this is ridiculous. All right, well, it's good to be at USF. So he's speaking at the University of South Florida. These are college students that were placed behind him. And he says, you can wear the mask if you want to, but please take them off. This is ridiculous. They don't do anything. And all of that, of course, is correct. It is absurd that they were put in those masks and told to wear those masks in the first place. And for sure, they were. Those kids did not just walk up to that backdrop and stand there by themselves in a line behind where DeSantis was about to speak. That was political signaling on the part of whoever arranged them standing there in the first place. And as you might imagine, this made people's heads explode because not only did Ron DeSantis ask the kids to take the masks off, he also said the no-no part, which is the very true statement that the masks don't work and wearing them is ridiculous. And it seems very clear that his frustration was not with those college kids, but with whoever told them to wear those masks. But let's get the reaction from our betters. This is ridiculous. All right. Good, good wow. Lord. Where was that guy raised? So mean. I mean, serious. No, I'm serious. Was that, that guy was... raised in a barn? That's what we say in the South. When somebody is rude, but you, I, mean, I really do. You know, a guy, Willie, being rude to kids. I, I seriously, this is this is a question I asked. Who raised him? Like who 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 would want their child to behave that way? toward other children it's like a, you know we see this we we you know you and i our kids are involved in sports our parents saw us when we were involved in sports uh, you know whenever you see coaches going after kids or whenever you see parents going after it's just so offensive and they just wonder what is it about this party now this donald trump party 
where rudeness becomes a defining characteristic that actually the base looks for. So that 30-second bit is going to appear on Joe Scarborough's upcoming comedy album. That bit was, where was he raised? In a barn? I mean, seriously, where was he raised? In a barn? This is what we say in the South when someone is rude. Was he raised in a barn? It's very funny, very entertaining. And what a great insight, too. There's a lot of really astute analysis in there. So they are upset that Ron DeSantis was rude to kids, except they're college kids. They're all legal adults. So now it's rude to tell legal adults not to do the political signaling behind him because what they're doing is absurd. It doesn't work and it makes no sense. Very, very rude. Not quite as rude as telling parents all around the country that despite the fact that their kids cannot get seriously ill or die from COVID, they still need to have their kids masked all the time, all the time for almost two years. And of course, we know all the detrimental effects that those masks have on kids. But there's another interesting aspect to this, and this plays into the party of false decorum. It plays into everything that we've been dealing with for the past two years, but honestly, much, much longer. It is this enforcement of standards of manners as a tool to coerce behavior that makes no sense. We have to call people by the pronouns they choose and can change at any time or else we're rude and transphobic. Andrew Cuomo, if you remember, said that masks should be worn out of respect for everybody else, I guess. Masks don't do anything. They can't prevent the spread of an aerosolized virus. But nonetheless, you need to do it out of respect. Because if the good kids, the well-behaved kids are wearing their masks like they were told, and you're not wearing your mask like you were told. Well, that makes it seem like the authorities actually don't have any power. And it makes those maskies feel like they have to live by a different set of rules than other people, which is, by the way, entirely their fault. It's a reflection of their weakness and complicity that they will not think for themselves. They will just obey orders despite no rational basis for those orders at all. And when you think about all the times, all the opportunities people had to stand up and speak the truth and defend themselves and their beliefs and their freedoms over the last couple of years, one of the main things that has been stopping them is the blowback they know they're going to get. They're going to be told they must silence themselves because it's rude to challenge the central narrative when so many people who are complying with the central narrative identify with it in a personal way to the point where anyone arguing with all of this anti-scientific nonsense is actually just being mean to them personally. That's how they have been trained to take all this stuff. It makes no sense. But this is all an outgrowth of the idea of the enforcement of manners. Certain social norms that we now accept can be enforced society-wide without any rational basis. And what could be more ironic 
than these people who have encouraged the masking of children and the forced vaccination of children and the forced vaccination of adults, by the way, criticizing someone else for being rude to kids, even though those kids are already adults. It's absurd. Now, I want to discuss the American trucker convoy for just a second, because I think I probably said on the podcast, I certainly said on Telegram within the last couple of weeks that I had some suspicions about the American trucker convoy. It seemed like it was just ripe for being set up in some sort of false flag operation. Initially, it sounded like the intent of the convoy was to arrive in D.C., by the State of the Union a couple of nights ago. Obviously, that never happened, and that never happened as a result of their planning. It doesn't seem like they ever intended for that to happen, though Nancy Pelosi and the rest of the global communists in Washington, D.C., set up some fencing around the perimeter of the Capitol. Nothing like they had a year ago with the full National Guard in there, making it look like a green zone inside a war zone. It looked like they were set up to stage something when and if the trucker convoy arrived. And the trucker convoy has gone on to change their plans and change their routes multiple times over the last week or so, however long they've been out on the road, which is really interesting because it seems like they are toying with these people who might want to stage false flags. I'm not even sure they're actually going to go anywhere and finally convene in protest in some place. There's some talk of Hagerstown, Maryland, and they thought they were going to get there today, but instead they went a different route. Maybe they'll get there Friday. But at this point, as far as I can tell, they are being very smart and they're kind of meeting with local convoys. People are gathering on overpasses to give them support as they drive by and they're driving around the country, and so far, it's just been a really nice, really cool display of the unity that the country has with these workers and with the principles that they're out there to represent. So I just want to say I was skeptical. I am far less skeptical right now. Obviously, I'm hoping for them to continue to be smart and hoping for the best. Who knows what will happen? Now, this has been a week of absolutely terrible news, as always, for the fake administration. Every week is worse than the last, and it's been going this way for months and months. But they look completely weak, pathetically weak on anything to do with Russia. The State of the Union was a debacle. The John Durham stuff is coming up. Michael Gableman in Wisconsin, the special counsel of the Wisconsin legislature, not a GOP analyst audit group like the media is portraying. Michael Gableman called for the decertification of the 2020 election in Wisconsin, citing a range of actual crimes and actual fraud, actual violations of election law, and the malign influence of one Mark Zuckerberg. Gas prices and prices for other goods are skyrocketing, Joe Biden's polling is as low as any polling has ever been anywhere. The Pfizer documents with the FDA are coming out. 55,000 pages came out on Tuesday and people are going through those. Anthony Fauci has 
completely up and disappeared. The January 6th committee has pushed itself into irrelevance. And the country seems to care very little if the polls are correct about the January 6th committee. They just don't buy the story anymore. Democrat representatives are retiring rather than choosing to run for re-election in these November 2022 elections. And the Texas primary on Tuesday showed massive Republican turnout and horrendous Democrat turnout. And Donald Trump's candidates, who he had endorsed, all won, or at least are in strong positions in their runoff. So what are the Democrats going to do? Last night on CNN, Don Lemon covered January 6th stuff before Ukraine stuff. That's how bad the Ukraine narrative is going for them. We're nearly six days past when they said that Kiev was going to be sacked by Putin. But that hasn't happened, has it? Oh, it's because the Ukrainian fighters, the comedic actor, and all of the citizens he's armed, and not foreign mercenaries and contractors, and not that Nazi battalion. Oh, they're pushing the Russian army back. Putin is not able to achieve any of his goals. And that's why we keep threatening him with sanctions and saying we're going to move military equipment around the world. Oh, now we're going to have Moldova and Georgia and Ukraine join the EU someday. They're talking about taking Russia off the SWIFT system. They've decided that's what they're going to do, the European Union. But they're going to do it next Friday. So that's a strange way to make them stand down immediately because they don't seem to care about being on the SWIFT system at all, really. They just could stop selling their gas and oil to Europe. And that's not them who's screwed. That's Europe who's screwed. Especially while the United States is still buying oil from Russia and trying to work out an Iran agreement with Russia in the talks. All of it is for show. So they need a distraction. And this is the distraction they have decided to use. Maybe they'll get two days worth of a news cycle out of this. I'm not even sure. But last night, Politico ran this piece. January 6th committee says Trump violated multiple laws in effort to overturn election. A criminal conspiracy is what they are suggesting. And that's what some of the headlines say. Donald Trump involved in criminal conspiracy to overturn the 2020 election. Well, the 2020 election, the results of that election actually were overturned. And that's why we have a fake president right now. The Russian ambassador actually said that himself in front of the UN yesterday. He said the 2020 election was overturned and the rightful winner is not in office. And of course, he's right. This is Kyle Cheney and Nicholas Wu of Politico. The January 6th Select Committee says its evidence has shown that then President Donald Trump and his campaign tried to illegally obstruct Congress's counting of electoral votes and, quote, engaged in a criminal conspiracy to defraud the United States, end quote. Now, it doesn't matter what that committee says. Donald Trump is not being investigated by any law enforcement arm for a criminal conspiracy. Congressional committees 
do investigations for legislative purposes. They're going to make new laws because of this. Is that what we're being told? Of course not. It is an entirely illegitimate witch hunt. The committee is illegitimate. What they're finding is illegitimate. Who they're going after is illegitimate. They are trying to create a crime so that they can create headlines. In a major release of its findings, filed in federal court late Wednesday, the committee suggested that its evidence supported findings that Trump himself violated multiple laws by attempting to prevent Congress from certifying his defeat, which is not something he actually did at any point. The select committee also has a good faith basis for concluding that the president and members of his campaign engaged in a criminal conspiracy to defraud the United States. The committee wrote in a filing submitted in U.S. District Court in the Central District of California. Uh, what? It's amazing they even have to declare their own good faith. I mean, that should be assumed, but obviously with the January 6th committee, There is no reason to assume good faith on anyone's part. But if you're suggesting that the quote unquote former president engaged in a criminal conspiracy, you should be relying on more than a good faith basis. Characterizing excerpts of nearly a dozen depositions from top aides to Trump and former Vice President Mike Pence The committee described a president who had been informed repeatedly that he lost the election and that his claims of fraud were unfounded only to reject them and continue to mislead the American public. What a bad, bad boy he is. He had top advisors and Mike Pence had top advisors and those top advisors were not part of the deep state, but they told Donald Trump he lost and he should have just accepted what they said and drifted off into that good night. Because according to Politico and the rest of the corrupt media and all of the corrupt politicians serving in office in the United States right now, there is no evidence of fraud. And you can be sure that they're telling the truth about that because some of Donald Trump's own top advisors tried to tell him that he lost. And that's all there is to it. So it doesn't matter how much evidence Trump thinks he has. He has to give up and concede no matter what. Except the thing is, he didn't give up and he didn't concede. And nothing about Joe Biden's election, in quotes, certification or inauguration was real or legal. All of it was based on fraud, which means all of it can simply be wiped away. When the country decides to actually take the theft of its own election, Seriously, and I'm going to jump down in the article just a bit, although the evidence offers insight into the contours of what is likely to be the committee's final report, it is only a small window into the 650 plus interviews the panel has conducted. So 650 plus interviews, and they still don't have anything solid. They're just bringing out this report right now to create some headlines for a few days and distract some child brains. Oh, yes, this is the silver bullet. This is the thing that finally takes down Trump. Well, a few months ago, we were told that the New York attorney general's office was going to be the silver bullet that finally takes down Trump. And it turns out after a few more months that multiple prosecutors have left their positions because the case is a giant mess. The committee suggests 
Trump and some of his allies may have committed three distinct crimes, obstruction of an official proceeding, which is something that was basically never charged ever before. And now they're charging the people that went on to Capitol grounds with that. In this case, Congress's January 6th session to count the electoral votes defrauding the United States by interfering in the election certification and spreading false information about the results and a violation of the District of Columbia's common fraud law. Do you think they'll be able to prove any of those in court at all? No, of course not. So you can bring all the charges you want. There is no criminal conspiracy underlying any of it. And this will go the same way that all of their other silver bullet attempts have gone. They don't work. They're based on nothing. And the distraction just further exposes how truly corrupt these people are, that they're trying to take down a president this way because they know that he can still win every election he runs in and is so powerful politically and has so much popular support throughout the American people that the candidates he endorses will also go on to win almost all the time. This is another admission from these communists that their movement is not popular. If their movement was popular, they wouldn't care about Donald Trump running. But it's their greatest nightmare. And they're going to fail again. And consider this. If the January 6th committee was actually making headway and Donald Trump really was part of some criminal conspiracy to obstruct Congress and defraud the American people. Well, why didn't Joe Biden talk about that in his very, very successful State of the Union the other night? In fact, why was it never mentioned by anyone? this criminal conspiracy until yesterday. So let's move to the Ukraine-Russia discussion. This statement is from the Russian embassy in Canada on March 1st. That was Tuesday. Russia continues its special military operation to demilitarize and denazify Ukraine. The Russian army does not occupy Ukrainian territory and takes all measures to preserve the lives and safety of civilians. The strikes are targeting military facilities only, being carried out exclusively with high-precision weapons. We are witnessing an unprecedented wave of lies, fake news, distorted and fabricated facts aimed at discrediting our actions. Goebbels-style Western propaganda was predictable. It cannot be trusted. The public in Canada should understand that. The truth is different. Crimes against humanity and violations of international humanitarian law are committed by the armed forces of Ukraine and such neo-Nazi groups as Azov, Right Sector, and others. The multiple evidence is available in open sources. And that's just correct. That evidence is available. That is happening. And the Azov battalion absolutely does exist and absolutely is neo-Nazi. And we'll get to some more of that later. But the statement goes on. The Ukrainian side is deploying multiple launch rocket systems and artillery in the courtyards of residential buildings, hospitals, schools, and kindergartens. 
The armed forces of Ukraine, nationalist and neo-Nazi groups use civilian infrastructure and population as human shields. And I think that there is at least some evidence at this point that that part is true as well. It is essential to understand the rationale behind these actions. The Ukrainian authorities and its Western patrons are committing monstrous and inhuman provocations in order to put all the blame on Russia. In fact, the full responsibility for the destruction and innocent victims lies with the regime in Ukraine, and that is Zelensky's regime that exists in service of the global communist state and worldwide corruption. That is what Ukraine is under this government. And let's remember that Yanukovych was deposed by these same people after a color revolution in 2014. And we're going to touch on a little more of that in a minute, too. The Russian army is fighting neither Ukraine nor the Ukrainians. The tasks to clear Ukraine of Nazism and to demilitarize it will be accomplished. Those responsible for genocide and eight years long war started by Kiev against its own people, silently watched and frequently encouraged by the West, will be brought to justice. Russia is not starting wars. Russia is ending them. Now, I look at that and think, okay, well, what they just said actually does map onto reality. All of those claims are supportable. But you might also think, well, this is the best case scenario for Russia. This is their own ambassador to Canada after all. You can't just rely on him to tell the truth. And that, of course, is true. This statement could be total and complete Russian propaganda. Now, what is the American propaganda? See, that is the problem that we have. Everything that the Russians say, whether or not it is backed up and supported by reality, is considered, we are told to consider it propaganda and automatically false, automatically wrong. And by the way, if you believe the Russian propaganda, well, you're either stupid or a traitor. But we know the fake administration in America exists on propaganda and on censorship. No one should have any doubt about that. Everything they have told us from the beginning of this entire issue for months has been false and misleading and dishonest. All of it is propaganda. All of this I stand with Ukraine stuff is propaganda. All of the debunkings that are everywhere online as we get out the true stories about what's happening over there, the media responds with complicated and convoluted explanations about how everything we're saying is false. All of it is propaganda. And I'm going to go through one of these fact checks in a second. But Jack Posobiec had two interesting tweets this morning. He's relaying what was said by Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. We have info that the Pentagon is concerned about the possibility of losing control over chemical and biological facilities in Ukraine. So is that propaganda or is it true? There is certainly ample record of bioweapons labs in Ukraine, and that is what we should call them, by the way. But we'll get to that in this fact check. Lavrov also says, according to Posobiec, we will not allow Ukraine to keep infrastructure that is threatening us. 
He says Russia will continue its operation till the end. And that is all exactly what we see them doing. There has been no indication at any point that Russia is feeling threatened by the West, by the United States, by NATO, by the EU, and certainly not by the comedic actor. He has been building alliances with other nations and fortifying Russia against Western sanctions. I have seen nothing so far to convince me that Vladimir Putin does not have the winning hand. All the cards are pretty much on the table at this point. The United States has made threat after threat after threat after threat. The whole West has, NATO has, everyone threats the entire time. The ones that have come to fruition are intended only to hurt the Russian people, these financial sanctions, despite how many articles run in the mainstream media about this or that Russian oligarch losing his $600 million yacht or Roman Abramovich having to sell Chelsea under pressure. They're going to be just fine. The people are not. So Biden is negotiating on Iran and he is buying Russian oil. The threats have meant absolutely nothing. Why in the world would anyone think that Vladimir Putin does not have the strongest possible upper hand in this situation? He has not flinched once. And the U.S., NATO, and the allies have backed down repeatedly again and again and again. And they place their threats a week and a half away. They announced they're taking Russia off SWIFT next Friday. Hey, we can't do this for another nine days. Can you guys please just stop attacking us in Ukraine in the meantime? That's meaningless. But as we've talked about a couple of times by now, this bioweapons lab thing in Ukraine is a real thing and it's making big news and it matters. And that's why it's being fact checked and debunked. This is from Foreign Policy Magazine, one of the magazines of the elites. Good old foreign policy. False claims of U.S. biowarfare labs in Ukraine grip QAnon. And for some reason, the picture they use in this article has these black, white, and red flags that say Deutschland on them. And then they have a Q symbol in Vladimir Putin's face. One, another one has Donald Trump's face. And I guess that they are trying to somehow tie QAnon to Nazism. That seems to be the implication here. This is the implication you are supposed to draw from the color scheme and the imagery. This is one of the silliest debunkings I have ever read. And I'm going to give you some of this stuff at the beginning and then we'll skip down because it's kind of long. As I always say, convoluted, complicated explanations, right? Somebody who doesn't really know is going to read through this, hearing the same story again and again and again, assume it's true, and then eventually give up on this nonsense article before they get to the only part that matters. Pro-Russian channels and QAnon conspiracy theorists think Moscow is launching airstrikes on Ukraine to destroy bioweapon manufacturing labs in order to prevent the American infectious disease expert Anthony Fauci from creating a sequel to the COVID-19 virus. Now, that is a highly specific claim that they are going to debunk. Okay. 
I don't see anybody talking about Anthony Fauci except as a proxy for the NIH, the NIAID, the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, all of the conglomeration of deep state actors and agencies who would be involved with this. And they're not talking about a sequel to COVID-19, though it's possible they could release another bioweapon. The only thing that matters here is whether or not those labs pose a real threat. And it would be insane at this point to argue that they don't. And whether or not Putin perceives that as a real threat. You can't debunk the claim that Putin is going after bio labs by saying that he's doing it to prevent a sequel to COVID-19 by Anthony Fauci. And that's just a conspiracy theory. That's not something that proves that those bioweapons labs are not being targeted by Russia. And that is the only claim that matters. Either it's true that bioweapons labs and bio labs, bio research facilities are being targeted by Russia or it's not. That's the only relevant information. Are there bio labs there? The answer to that is quite clearly yes. Is Putin targeting them? Well, that's yes or no. Tell us which one it is. If everyone on our side talking about those labs is crazy, prove it. That should be pretty simple, right? This theory hangs on the entirely discredited idea that the coronavirus was designed as a bioweapon, perhaps by the U.S. government itself. Well, one, this theory does not hang on that. Two, that idea is not at all discredited. We have the documents from DARPA. We have the communications between Fauci and Collins and others. This stuff isn't even worthy of debate anymore, but foreign policy believes its readers still think there's some chance that it wasn't from a lab and that even if it was from a lab, it wasn't built as a bioweapon. And even if it was built as a bioweapon, it wasn't released on purpose. And even if it was released on purpose, it certainly wasn't by Anthony Fauci. So once they have admitted five or six or seven things that they have called a conspiracy theory for the last two years, well, they will find a new thing that is a conspiracy theory. And because that part is right now a conspiracy theory, oh, the whole thing's debunked. You just can't believe any of it. You know, these days, it's just so hard to know what to believe. And yet the theory is being shared thousands of times faster than regulated social media networks can yank the conspiracy theory down. Oh, sadness. On unregulated platforms such as Telegram and 8chan, okay, the conspiracy theory has become incredibly popular, racking up hundreds of thousands of hits each day. The theory is now being actively contributed to and promoted by one Russian embassy, an official Russian state propaganda outlet, and state media channels in Serbia and China. The Russian government has laid the groundwork for this conspiracy theory for some time. In January, a Russian-language telegram account warned that a full-fledged network of biological laboratories has been deployed, studying deadly viruses that are already making people sick in Kazakhstan with American grants. 
The Russian newspaper Izvestia ran a story in May 2020 making similar claims, and they have been repeated in pro-Russian Ukrainian news sites. A close advisor of Russian President Vladimir Putin himself has accused the United States of developing, quote, more and more biological laboratories, mainly by the Russian and Chinese borders, end quote. And that is a factually true statement. The conspiracy has received past support in Chinese propaganda after Ministry of Foreign Affairs spokesperson Hua Chunying said last May in response to claims in Australian media about China's own supposed biowarfare programs that the United States has been secretly working on biolabs and had 16 in Ukraine alone. Chinese state media has repeatedly spread the false claim that the coronavirus originated from the U.S. Army base at Fort Detrick. The conspiracy theory even pushed the security service of Ukraine to debunk the allegation of American-run bioweapons facilities in 2020. None of those things disprove absolutely anything that we have talked about so far. Okay, they have labeled all of these examples conspiracy theories. They're saying, look how often this conspiracy theory gets repeated. And by so many people, how are they all so crazy? Yet the conspiracy theory emerged with new purpose this week. The most recent incarnation of this conspiracy theory seems to have begun with the moderately prominent and now suspended Twitter account War Clandestine, which posted two maps comparing Russian airstrikes and U.S. biolabs in Ukraine. The tweet said, It certainly appears Putin is targeting the cities and locations with U.S. biolabs present. He is 100% going after the alleged bioweapons. And I shared that Twitter thread on the show a couple of days ago. It's interesting, isn't it, that they mention the suspended Twitter accounts of at war clandestine. And the expectation is that their readers will take it the way the writer intended as proof that that account is a frequent spreader of disinformation. And that's why the account was taken down and not that they're actually trying to hide the thing he's saying because they don't want it to spread wider. Isn't that incredible? The censorship regime is assumed and it's thought of as a good thing by these people. The war clandestine account and others linked to it do seem to legitimately belong to an American whose first name is Jacob and who occasionally posted images and video of himself in one TikTok video. He says he served in the U.S. Army. Over the past two years, the account has frequently shared QAnon conspiracy theories. And he links to an article written by himself. This is the foreign policy writer, Justin Ling, where he talks about how Q is dead, but QAnon lives on. So you can tell he's very, very informed about the subject matter and not just using the phrase QAnon conspiracy theories as a catch all for everything they don't like to talk about. Oh, wait, no, that's exactly what he's doing. Often racking up thousands of retweets on Twitter before being suspended from the platform for spreading misinformation, which means, hey, we don't even need to debunk this. We could just know that Twitter did their homework. I mean, they've never gotten anything wrong. It's amazing that with the abject failure of the censorship regime on essentially every single issue they have ever involved themselves in, 
people like Justin Ling are not at all convinced that maybe calling everything a conspiracy theory could be a recipe for disaster down the road. In December 2020, the account earned mockery. Ooh, no. After sharing an overwrought story of a date that went badly due to his support for Donald Trump. And this is somehow supposed to prove to you that Putin is not going after bioweapons labs. Got that? In recent weeks, the account was closely following the anti-vaccine occupation in Canada. An occupation. At one point, tweeting at Ottawa's police force, we got enough rope for your fascist asses too. When all is said and done, you'll be swinging with the rest of them. And hey, that's going a little bit hard for Twitter. Not surprised that people got upset about it. But we do know history and we do know what happened when the citizens caught up to what the Nazi regime was doing. And many of them, including many journalists and many police officers who were just following orders, were in fact executed. And the rest of them were just shipped off to other places in the world where they could continue to work for the benefit of the global communist regime. It happened in America. But hey, we got spaceships. And every good commie knows that the Nazis aren't so bad if they're building us spaceships. Now we get to the good part. The supporting evidence for war clandestines Ukrainian bioweapons idea is flimsy, even by conspiracy theory standards. The account rests on little more than the assumption that all laboratories that accept American funding are responsible for creating bioweapons. It also uses the nebulous term biolabs to describe a wide swath of facilities, which are numerous and common in every European country. So I guess it's all false, right? Did he say anything in there that makes any of it sound false? No, he is accusing the writer of that thread of using the term biolabs, which is not specific enough for this genius at Foreign Policy magazine. And also, he doesn't like that it's assumed that all of these laboratories are responsible for creating bioweapons. They probably have some really legitimate research going on there. It's just not clear that he knows what that research is or what part of the United States government was actually funding it. He might want to look into those things, but hey, he's a conspiracy theorist. He doesn't do his homework. But even a lazy conspiracy theory can take hold if it is promoted enough. And that is actually what they think everyone else besides them is doing. If you don't see what the authoritative sources in the mainstream media are telling you as true and you go out and look for information on your own and then you tell other people what you found and they tell you what they've found and you try to figure out what's right and that process repeats through hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of people over the course of a few days, there is no way you can trust that information in comparison to what the mainstream media has already decided that they need you to believe. What a great point, Justin Ling. You are such a smart, smart guy. It's the promotion of the conspiracy theory that makes people believe it, not the fact that the mainstream media and the propaganda state media that we call the mainstream media, truth be told, is constantly lying about everything and trying to manipulate people. It's not that. 
And it's not that people are actually doing the homework and actually finding information. No, it can't be that either. Thank goodness we have Justin Ling's op-ed in Foreign Policy magazine. Within hours of the initial tweet, the conspiracy site InfoWars published a story largely regurgitating the conspiracy theory. Not long after, the right-wing media site Op India ran a similar story. Well, that's strange. How did AAPI POCs from India become right-wing? That's not how race works. Jeez. While InfoWars Social media reach is stunted by bans from most major websites. Up India's version of the story was shared more than 2,500 times to Facebook. A constellation of other anti-vaccine and QAnon websites picked up the story from there. A write-up on one minor conspiracy site was shared widely among Bulgarian speakers. And since none of foreign policy's readers will know or care what he's talking about, I'm going to go ahead and tell you the Bulgarian site he's talking about, the thing that's read by Bulgarian readers, right? That is the journalism website of a woman, and I'm hope, I hope I'm saying her name right, Dilyana Gatengieva. Her site is magnificent journalism, okay? There is an article on that site from April 29th, 2018, nearly four years ago called the Pentagon Bioweapons. And it is extremely long, extremely in-depth, and extremely well-sourced on various bioweapons projects through the years all over the world that were carried out with U.S. Defense Department funding. But she's just a joke. That's just for Bulgarian readers. We wouldn't want to confuse our audience with such riffraff. This is pathetic, honestly, man. That that stuff really makes me angry. I mean, this woman is doing legitimately good independent journalism, and she's treated that way by someone who is literally writing a conspiracy theory blog. He has no attachment to reality whatsoever. He's not debunking anything. This is, oh man, it's pathetic. Through all of this, the hashtag US Biolabs began trending. TikTok videos promoting the theory racked up tens of thousands of hits. If you believe those U.S.-funded biolabs in Ukraine aren't making biological weapons, please sit all the way down, one TikTok user said. A YouTube video regurgitating the InfoWars story was viewed some 350,000 times by Tuesday afternoon. After Twitter suspended war clandestine, screen caps of his theory were posted on Reddit on a part of the site notorious for disinformation known as r slash conspiracy, where it hit nearly 2000 upvotes on the QAnon sections of the fringe message board 8chan users linked a series of unconnected data points to flesh out the sensational tale. You got that? Just trust him. The data points they were discussing are unconnected. And that's all you have to know. The baseless nature of the conspiracy theory was picked up by such debunkers as Snopes and at Patriot Takes. With Russia's war effort struggling against fierce Ukrainian resistance, the Russians gave the story a boost. This is amazing. It's really amazing. 
On February 27th, the Russian embassy in Bosnia and Herzegovina came out endorsing the theory, posting on Facebook, according to Serbian broadcaster N1, that the United States was, quote, filling Ukraine with biolabs, which were very possibly used to study methods for destroying the Russian people at the genetic level. Now, first of all, war clandestine put that message out. And N1 is a CNN affiliate who is Twitter verified in Europe. This is a Russian embassy statement. Are we really supposed to believe all of this is just nonsense because foreign policy magazine and the global communist state propaganda media says so? Requests for comment sent to the Russian embassies in Bosnia and Herzegovina, the United States, the United Kingdom and Canada went unanswered. War clandestine, after being suspended by Twitter, reappeared under a new account, not so subtly named, definitely not clandestine, to share the Serbian news item. My hypothesis was correct, he wrote in a tweet that garnered more than a thousand retweets in a matter of hours. He has also popped up on the unregulated social media sites Getter and Telegram. And isn't that amazing? Unregulated. They love the censorship. By Tuesday morning, an official channel for Sputnik, a Kremlin-owned propaganda outlet, posted to Telegram, quote, here are some of the documents on U.S. biolabs in Ukraine, posting documents from the U.S. government. While they do not show anything nefarious or unusual, the documents appear to be offline as of Tuesday afternoon. And we've discussed this. The U.S. embassy website took all of these documents offline because it's a conspiracy theory. The idea has also returned to the fringes of Chinese state media, not heavily promoted, but present in coverage. Mention of these biolabs and the missing documents were seen hundreds of thousands of times across an array of Russian language telegram accounts, including several that have had a particularly large role in spreading pro-Kremlin propaganda since the war began and that were immediately prior sharing information complementary of anti-vaccine convoys in the United States and Canada. Isn't that terrible? One concluded that, quote, the United States was engaged in the creation of a deadly virus in a bio laboratory in Kharkiv. The Ukrainian city of Kharkiv has been subject to a particularly brutal bombing campaign with at least nine civilians dying in airstrikes on Monday. Well, hey, if that's true and you got all the evidence, why don't you just show us that the bio laboratory there is in pristine condition as of right now today? You got the resources in the media, don't you? Can't you find someone who can tell us whether or not that lab was destroyed? The premises of the theory is baseless. Ukraine has no labs labeled BSL-4, the highest grade that allows them to work on the most dangerous pathogens, and only one BSL-3 lab. So it couldn't have happened, right? There's rules against it. That's not what they study there. So it couldn't have happened. American support for the facility is not secret and has funded science on a number of zoonotic diseases in Ukraine. And we know that funding for research on zoonotic diseases cannot turn into funding on bioweapons. And we know that because they tell us that even though they have something called dual use research of concern, which they also refer to as gain of function. And the dual use is military and scientific research in disease prevention. I guess Justin Ling, the very astute blogger 
at Foreign Policy Magazine hasn't considered what the other use might be. Washington also funds facilities in Georgia and even Russia-friendly Azerbaijan and Kazakhstan. Oh, that's weird. He just mentioned Kazakhstan above as part of the thing that was obviously conspiracy theory and definitely debunked. The United States has been engaged in a program known as the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, which cooperates on reducing epidemiological risk in Ukraine and elsewhere. Some of the Russian reporting has mistranslated this as the Special Defense Weapons Agency. Oh, no. So you understand these labs are just there for reducing epidemiological risk in Ukraine. Epidemiological risk from what? In Ukraine, the risk of epidemiology happening. I mean, we have seen the risks of epidemiology. That is where we got those models that told the entire world to lock down, costing hundreds of millions of people a slip into extreme poverty and countless lives lost. So I guess epidemiology is actually very risky. We also know from a U.S. intelligence community assessment and a preponderance of scientific evidence from around the world that he does not cite, that the COVID-19 virus was not a bioweapon. Just this week, new research bolstered the idea that the coronavirus spilled over from an animal host in a live animal market in Wuhan, China, further decreasing the likelihood it spread into the world after a lab leak. You understand the real actual probability that COVID spread into the world from a lab leak was reduced by a new report this week. The report says it didn't. Therefore, it's less likely that it did. We accept the conclusion of the report. And while there is still a very good chance that it did come from a bioweapons lab, we're going to go with this report instead because the report was what we were initially told by Anthony Fauci. And everybody knows that Anthony Fauci is loved and revered. He is an expert. He is the oracle of the science, even though he seems to have completely disappeared. This would not be the first time that a conspiracy theory was posted to Twitter and moved through the pipeline of QAnon and Infowars, ideas that sometimes emerge as dogma for the right wing of the Republican Party. Allegations that the billionaire philanthropist George Soros and World Economic Forum head Klaus Schwab are secretly plotting a global socialist takeover has become an increasingly common take. Seen everywhere from the streets of Ottawa in recent weeks to Trump's official speeches to government policy in authoritarian leaning Hungary. Got that? So you can't believe any of that stuff. The only correct word that he wrote in that entire paragraph was secretly, right? Yeah, they're not doing it secretly. I would agree with you about that, Justin Ling. They are not doing it secretly. They are doing it out in the open. Yet, child-brained morons like yourself, Justin Ling, continue to deny that the thing they are telling you they are doing, that you can see active in the real world at any point, is actually happening. And the article goes on, continuing to attempt to paint war clandestine as some crackpot. Everywhere he goes, he is a crackpot, and the people who take him seriously are crackpots, and everybody is QAnon. Everyone's QAnon if they don't agree. And do they know what QAnon is? No, they believe QAnon exists. QAnon isn't even a thing. There are Q posts and there are people who interpret them however they might interpret them. 
If other people agree with their ideas, that doesn't make them all part of a conspiracy theory. That just means that they have researched subjects and have come to different conclusions. This used to be the most normal way of thinking ever. All right. This is literally what universities do. They Try to teach you about a subject by showing you a range of sources, and then you learn all that source material, and you come to argue new conclusions. It's literally the scientific method as well. It's just not acceptable anymore in the age of a censorship regime and authoritative sources. That's where we are now. That is the problem. And Justin Ling is a very, very stupid blogger. This person should not be taken seriously at all. It is sad that people in the world do take this blogger seriously because they take foreign policy magazines seriously, which again is a complete and total mistake. Every single researcher who looks into all of this stuff is far more informed and far more well-read than Justin Ling about the subject he's discussing. And likewise, I would guarantee that every single person who has taken Q seriously or considers themselves a Q follower or whatever you would like to say, every single one of them knows more critical information about every important subject involved in global politics right now than every single Biden voter, every single one. Think about your conversations with Biden voters. Do they know any facts, any relevant facts? Do they know any counterpoints to their own arguments? Have they ever considered those counterpoints and figured out new arguments that would prove those counterpoints false? Of course not. They have no idea about any of it. They repeat the slogans and that is it. It doesn't matter how many facts, how many stats they memorize. None of that matters. They cannot take on a single opposing argument and get their way through that conversation. They will eventually only get mad, insult you and walk away. They know absolutely nothing. Those people should not be taken seriously at all. If you are in a conversation with them, the only conversation that should be happening is them asking you questions and you answering them or you asking them questions. But if you do that, they'll be unable to answer and we'll just get mad and we'll be right back to what I said a second ago. It really is incredible. And PolitiFact has a fact check that goes even harder. They just straight up say, there are no U.S.-run biolabs in Ukraine, contrary to social media posts. So I imagine that the focus there is U.S.-run, right? The conspiracy theorists say the U.S. is running them, but we're going to tell you how the U.S. isn't actually running them. They're only funding them as part of the Defense Threat Reduction Agency. They're not running them. They're just funding them and overseeing them and telling the people what to do, but they don't run them in any official capacity. We have made sure all the paperwork supports our position and they quote a Snopes fact check and the Atlantic council in their fact check. This stuff is absurd. These people are wrong about everything and they are wrong intentionally. And what is that? That is lying. That is propaganda. This is what they do. Imagine how all of this will look in a couple of weeks or a month or two months once some of the fog of war goes away and we can actually assess what is really happening there. But this is their conclusion. A social media user tweeted that Russia was targeting U.S. run biolabs in its invasion of Ukraine. 
That account was soon suspended by Twitter. There are no U.S. run bio labs in Ukraine. The country is one of many former Soviet Union republics and other countries partnering with the Defense Department as part of the Cooperative Threat Reduction Program. It's the latest claim in a series of disinformation efforts by the Russians. An expert told PolitiFact, an expert. While the U.S. may provide funding to upgrade or build labs in other countries, the labs are run by the partnering nations, and the program's goal is to prevent biological threats, not create them. We rate this claim false. And so the claim is that Russia is targeting U.S.-run biolabs, and rather than focusing on whether or not Russia is targeting those biolabs, their fact check tries to claim that the biolabs are not U.S.-run. They're focusing on the really important stuff, except they're not doing that. They're just providing a way for rock-dumb communists to be able to say, that's not true. Look at this fact check. And as shameful as what they're doing is, it is even more shameful that they are continuing to pick on these poor, stupid, confused people who still, after two years of the greatest concurrent crises in maybe the history of the world happening at the same time while they are alive, they still, still have not thought, oh, well, yeah, I guess I could be wrong about something. Not once. And these people are picking on them. That is what this is. That's why it's so sad for me. It's so pathetic. When I see people around who still believe this stuff, I'm like, oh man, I'm sorry this happened to you. Like it just really is so sad to watch adults repeat what they see on television in the face of actual overwhelming information and evidence. And the reason is they just don't want to confront the moral implications of what them being wrong actually means. And I suppose if I was them at this point, I wouldn't want to do that either. But the only way to get out of it is to begin reversing what you've done, not pretend that the rest of the world is just going to ignore it forever. No one's ever going to find out. It's insane. Oh man, it is genuinely cruel what they're doing to these people. Now, I want to just quickly hit this piece from Natalie Winters in the National Pulse from yesterday. Facebook announces, quote, narrow exception for previously censored neo-Nazi Azov battalion. Now, remember, I got banned from Instagram because I told people they should read Instagram's terms of service. And I used to tell the truth about how masks don't work and that. COVID was not at all what people were being told and that mail-in ballots were a really terrible idea. I got completely banned for that. But Facebook, who owns Instagram, is making an exception for the neo-Nazis. Facebook is reversing a ban on users praising Ukraine's neo-Nazi Azov battalion previously included in the platform's dangerous individuals and organizations policy amidst Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Internal memos from the social media platform, which has routinely censored mainstream conservative content, reveal it will, quote, allow praise of the Azov Battalion when explicitly and exclusively praising their role in defending Ukraine or their role as part of Ukraine's National Guard. 
You got that? You can praise actual neo-Nazis if you're saying it's good that they're helping Ukraine defend itself against Russia. Actual neo-Nazis. Are they denying the presence of the neo-Nazis in Ukraine? Well, obviously not. They are accepting the factual truth of that claim beyond any doubt. They're literally creating policy on how to handle these Nazis. And before they had them labeled as dangerous individuals and organizations. But as long as you say that these neo-Nazis are good for helping Ukraine, then you won't be censored. Internally published examples of speech that Facebook now deems acceptable include Azov movement volunteers are real heroes. They are a much needed support to our own National Guard. Or we are under attack. Azov has been courageously defending our town for the last six hours. Or I think Azov is playing a patriotic role during this crisis added The Intercept, which first obtained copies of the company memos. That is absolute propaganda. That is complete control over the information stream and over the information that the public sees. It is okay to support actual Nazis on Facebook so long as you're doing it while supporting Ukraine. That's how important what's happening in Ukraine is to the global communist agenda. That is absolute desperation. They would now rather argue that Nazi support is acceptable, good, and necessary than they would answer questions about biolabs. How can that strategy be seen as anything other than pure desperation? They are actively allowing and promoting a neo-Nazi battalion. And that's Facebook doing that. All the legal problems they might run into, all the PR problems, all of it is worth it because what they're protecting in Ukraine is the only thing that matters to these people, it seems. For the time being, we are making a narrow exception for praise of the Azov Regiment strictly in the context of defending Ukraine or in their role as part of the Ukraine National Guard clarified a spokesperson from Facebook's parent company, Meta. But we are continuing to ban all hate speech, hate symbolism, praise of violence, generic praise, support, or representation of the Azov Regiment, and any other content that violates our community standards, they added in a statement to Business Insider. You got that? It's okay to support the Nazis, but you have to make sure that you say you're really supporting Ukraine rather than just the Nazis. That's what makes it okay. Kind of like back after World War II when everyone was like, oh yeah, but we need spaceships. The policy shift follows years of heavy-handed censorship of stories critical of the Democrat Party, pharmaceutical companies, and the Chinese Communist Party, despite the platform now deciding to allow praise for a military force known for its, quote, hardcore right-wing ultranationalism and the neo-Nazi ideology pervasive among its members, according to The Intercept. And The Intercept is a leftist outlet who believes that Nazis are far right, even though we can see in the actual world that they are right along with the communists. 
The first commander of the Azov Battalion, which has marched and trained for combat, wearing symbols from the Third Reich, was former Ukrainian parliamentarian Andrei Beletsky, who asserted that Ukraine's national objective was, quote, to lead the white races of the world in a final crusade against Semite-led Untermenschen, subhumans, okay, the underman. A recent video posted by the National Guard of Ukraine also showed an Azov soldier dipping bullets in pig fat while issuing the following warning. Dear Muslim brothers, in our country, you will not go to heaven. You will not be allowed into heaven. Go home, please. Here you will encounter trouble. Thank you for your attention. Goodbye. But Putin denazifying Ukraine is a conspiracy theory. Don't you understand? Now, let's turn before we go to an actual Nazi, a man who literally helped load Jews onto trains during the Second World War. And of course, I'm talking about the primary funder of almost every Democrat cause in existence and part of the global communist agenda, a major, major part, George Soros. He put out a statement on Saturday. We must stand with Ukraine as they stand for us. I have witnessed Ukraine transform from a collapsing part of the Soviet Union to a liberal democracy and an open society. It has faced countless acts of Russian aggression, but has persisted. Brave Ukrainians are now on the front line and risking their lives. The horrible images coming out of Ukraine remind me of war-torn Budapest in 1944 and the siege of Sarajevo in 1993. It is important that both the transatlantic alliance, the United States, Canada, the EU, and the UK, but also other nations, do whatever is in their power to support Ukraine in its time of existential threat. Putin's actions are a direct attack on the sovereignty of all states that were once in the Soviet Union and beyond. Russia is in clear violation of the United Nations Charter and should be held accountable. Allowing Putin to succeed on his quest will send a message across the world that nations can simply be created or dissolved by brute force. We must stand with Ukraine. Now, George Soros is the embodiment of the evil twin. Okay, I'm not going to blame it just on him, but he is the embodiment of the evil twin. He literally loaded Jews, his neighbors, onto trains in World War II and doesn't care about it. It doesn't bother him. He thought of it as an act of survival. And when he notes that Ukraine is now a liberal democracy and an open society, well, he was one of the people funding the color revolution that installed our democracy in Ukraine by deposing their leader. That's Soros's doing. Soros is involved in all of the color revolutions that have been happening around the world for decades. This man goes in and tries to infiltrate and take over nations and have each and every one of them succumb to the global communist agenda, the World Economic Forum's agenda. It's not a conspiracy theory. They tell you, they show you the reporting is everywhere in major outlets, in independent journalism, open sources all over the place, all tell the same story until you get to the point where the story is a problem.
And then Western media will swoop in. The authoritative sources will give you what you're supposed to know. This is what we want you to believe. Any of that stuff that we said before or that anybody else said, even all that contemporary reporting, all of that is misinformation now. And if you believe that information that you might have read and studied over years, all the actual history of these places, if you believe all that stuff, now that that stuff has been discredited by the new stuff, well, you're a conspiracy theorist. It's that simple how they reverse knowledge at this point. If you know a bunch of things and come to a different conclusion than the television, well, you're the problem. Knowing nothing is actually better. All you're supposed to know is the stuff the television says. You don't need to worry about all the other details. You don't have time for that. You're very important. Now get back on the couch, turn on Netflix, and order Uber Eats like a good millennial. And just trust George Soros and trust the EU and trust the UN and trust NATO and trust Justin Trudeau. And most of all, trust Joe Biden when he says, it's going to be okay, folks. It's going to be okay. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, download the Telegram Messenger app and go to t.me slash I'm Your Moderator. I'm on Gab, Getter, Rumble, and BitChute at I'm Your Moderator. You can find my writing at I'm Your Moderator.substack.com and the merch site is cancelcotour.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the show financially, there is a crypto wallet address in the episode description or go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you again soon out on the rain. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's high noon! In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that 
by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!